turn together. We'll start in John 15. So in our 30 days of prayer, essentially coming to the Lord and all the things we've been singing about. I mean, this incredible, glorious God of infinite worth has invited us into uh, really what we were created for in the first place, which is a relationship with Him. And so uh, it's very fitting, I believe, to be singing songs this afternoon about um, just who He is, what He's done, just the magnitude of that. And, and then for us to, as a congregation, be going through a time where we set aside this 30-day period and say, okay, in light of that and the fact that you've called us into your life, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> like, how, how does that happen? Um, and God is good to us in just, I mean, we can't even count all the ways. One of them is that he's given us uh, some clues, uh, not in a mysterious way, but he's given us, like, this is what it's like, this is how this works. Because he knows that we really can't comprehend what a relationship with the creator of the universe is supposed to look like and, and how that works. And so the scriptures are filled with, with insight and God uses the scriptures to teach us things that we, we really cannot really wrap our minds around. In John 15, Jesus uh, uses this illustration to teach some very deep things. And so, you know, for the, the past three weeks, we've been e- emailing out uh, sections from this book called The True Vine, written by Andrew Murray many years ago. And he just goes really, really slowly through the text that we're about to read and God had given him just tons of insight, and he's passed this on. And so for the past three weeks, we've been reading a little bit and just meditating on some things and trying to just sit in truth and pray some things for ourselves and for our church body and for some specific needs that are around us, really just believing that there's something powerful that happens when the people of God come together Um, So in John 15, Jesus gives us one of those times where he's like, okay, let me tell you, let me, let me dumb it down for you a little bit because not that we're dumb, but this thing is so, it's so massive that we, we really can't understand it unless he puts it in more simple terms. Maybe I should say that he simplifies it. Uh, Dumbing it down might be a little bit insulting. So I apologize for that. Um, But in John 15, Jesus uses the vine and the branches and that probably made a lot more sense in that culture because they were used to working with vines and branches and whatever, a lot more so than we are. And so when we're thinking about this here, we, we understand trees pretty well. And so when he says vine, he's talking about like, like essentially the trunk of a grapevine, like the main, the main part of the grapevine. And the branches are all the stuff that comes off of it that the grapes grow on. Um, and so when you, when, when you hear vine, if you think trunk, that might you know, be helpful a little bit. So let's look at what, what Jesus says in the first couple of verses here in 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay? So, so a, a few just core concepts here that, he, that Jesus is passing on. These are just kind of a summary of, of some of the things that we've been reading and praying about. So, Jesus is connected to you if you are a Christian. And you are connected to Jesus. Like a vine to a branch. There's a connection there. Um, there's clearly a point where the, where the vine and the branch, like, like where the branch become, like splits off of the vine. There's a point there. Um, but really, it's, it's all kind of one thing. You know? That's why it being a, uh, like the vine and the branches makes so much sense because there's so much going on there. It's almost like they're one thing. And in a sense, that's true. That because of what Jesus has done, we are one with him. And so when he uses the word abide, that, that word, it means remain. Like remain in me, remain connected to me like a branch to the vine. And you're probably thinking, at what point does that not happen? You know? And he's like, exactly, exactly. And so there's, a, there's a connection that, that happens. And it's one that, that, that you, you don't really see necessarily, but you need to know that it's there. And you need to know that it is the key to everything working the way that I've designed it to look. Jesus is like, okay, so, so, so there I am as the vine, there you are as the branch, and God the Father, like he's the gardener, he's the, he's the, the owner of the vineyard, he's the, the, the master who knows exactly how to take this situation and produce the most fruit out of it. And some of the, one of the biggest things that we, I think, hit folks just from talking to people is the fact that, that really that the pressure is off of us. You know, like Jesus is saying, like, okay, I'm the vine, and it's my job to supply you as the branch with everything that you need so that fruit is produced in your life. So um, you let me be the vine, let me do my job, and you just be a branch. You just stay connected to me. Watch what happens. And so the pressure is off to go out and say, I've got to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I've got to produce this stuff. You know, I've got to somehow live a life that's glorifying to the Lord. I've got to dig deep and try harder and harder. And Jesus is saying, no, you just need to be a branch. Stay connected to me. Let my life flow into your life. Murray uses, uses the word sap a lot, which I think is fun. Uh, and the, how the, it's like the sap of the vine flows into the branch. The water, the nutrients, everything that the branch needs to produce fruit. Saying every, everything that you need, I'm going to provide for you today. There's more than enough of me to do this in your life. So don't flip out, don't worry, don't be anxious. Don't be distracted. There's more than enough of me. It's such a peaceful message, you know. And it seems like we fret so much over stuff like this, and we try to worry, and we try to figure out, like, how do I, how do I live for God? Like, I really just want to live for God. We've been saying this for a long time at the ring. There's a difference between living for God and living from God. And Jesus is saying, you just live from me. 
and all that you're hoping that your life is for me will come naturally when you're living from me and my life flows into your life and produces much fruit. So I, I think you take something like this and I think it's, it's so good. You know, it just settles in a really good place for us. And um, there is something restful when you read it. You know, I know like Murray, like he lived a long time ago. And so sometimes he's word thing, word thing, you're like, what's a husbandman? Like, I don't really get that. Uh, and there's just some of the language is kind of whatever. But when you read it and you, you just take time to just sit in it, it's like he's just over and over again just saying, just relax. Let Jesus be all that he wants to be to you, all that he made you to be. And so what I, what I want to do is take those things and I want to look at what that looks like when it's fleshed out. Because sometimes, like, things that are concepts, we struggle to say, okay, in my active life, like, what, is that, what does that look like? Like, can you help me a little bit? And so let's go to the, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And so I want to take the concept of the vine and the branches, and I want us to look at a narrative that describes what that looks like in real time. You know? So in Acts, chapter 1, we have uh, this very, very unique time in history. And Acts is a narrative. It's describing what happened. Okay? Um, so it's, essentially it's telling a story, and a story that we can learn a lot from, uh, for sure. And so it's at this time where Jesus has lived, been arrested, tried, crucified, died, buried, resurrected, And here we find ourselves. So here are the disciples, and Jesus has told them certain things, and he's prepared them for this. And uh, we have kind of these like really great parting words in the ascension uh, before us. And so if you kind of put yourself in the place of the disciples, all right, in John 15, he's told them, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me, I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, in other words, cut off a branch from the vine, go stick it in the ground, and it's just going to die. Can't do anything. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me, and you will produce much fruit. So they've been told that. Then they watch him go through the trial and the crucifixion, and they watch him die, and they watch him get buried, and then like, he shows up again. You know, And so they've kind of like, what's going on? He's like, okay, just... I told you this was going to happen, so do you believe me now? I kind of know what I'm talking about. Like, okay, we're, we're starting to get it. We're starting to understand. And he's like, I've given you everything that you need. Remember, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then he tells them this. Uh, look in verse 7. You know, they're wanting to know. They're having all these questions. In verse 7 he says, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Okay? He's essentially telling them, like, hey, don't panic. And I think the implication, I think in somewhere, is like, I've already covered this vine and branches thing. You're about to see what it's all about. It's not for you to stress about when's this going to happen, what about this, and what about this. You just be a branch, maybe the vine. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to go be the ones to tell my story all over the planet. So what does this have to do with, with the vine and the branches? What he just told them is the fleshing out of 
the, the sap of my life as the vine will flow into your life as the branch. Everything that you need, I will supply it. I will empower everything about your life as a branch. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So in, in the concept of abiding in the vine and the branches, we're trying to think, what is the, what's really going on here? Well, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit, okay, the Spirit of God, literally lives inside of you. And so anything that you're going to do is empowered for the glory of God by God Himself. Then there's a bit of a guarantee in there, don't you think? I mean, if God wants a certain thing about your life to be tweaked and adjusted, if He's pruning something, like He said, like He said, or if He's cutting something away that doesn't need to be there, um, it's for His glory. It's for your good, and He's the one empowering it to make it happen. Like it's like the best case scenario ever. It's like, hey, I want you to do this, and I'm going to totally make it possible. Okay, I like that deal. That's what he's saying. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So then, if you go to chapter 2, so Jesus says that, they're kind of like, what's going on? Then he like goes up to heaven. They're like, now really, what's going on? We don't really understand. If you follow the rest of chapter 1, um, they kind of, kind of regroup a little bit. Chapter 2, Like he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Holy Spirit comes, shows up. So now, well, before Jesus was with them, okay? God was with them. Now God is in them. Radical radical change. The Old Covenant, God with us. New Covenant, God in us. Totally different. So the end of chapter 2, we start to see in this story, in this description, this narrative of what's happening... We get to see the fruit that is produced that after the Holy Spirit has come upon them. So the vine is supplying these branches with everything that they need, and this is the fruit that is produced. Here's what's described. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's the description of the fruit that is produced. Jesus says, abide in me, I in you. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, no fruit. In me, much fruit. This is what it looks like when fleshed out in real life. And for years at the ring, we've read that paragraph. We're like, I want to be a part of that church. Like, that's what it should be like. And you keep reading in the book of Acts, and there's just more stuff like that where it's just, I mean, miracles and healing and boldness in the face of intense persecution and this generosity and this willingness to meet any need that comes along and this togetherness and this 
There's just something about it, and you're like, that's what I want. Like, I, I don't want to be a part of a dead church. I want to be a part of a church that bears much fruit. Like, I want to be a part of that church. And from the very beginning, at the ring, we've been looking at that passage and saying, Jesus, will you do that with us? Like, will you make us into people who look like that? And he says, yes, if you abide in me, that's what happens. Like, when you remain and stay connected to me, that's what I do with your life. And so the 30 days of prayer is not some, some annual, like, well, it's time to do 30 days again. It's like, no, let's come before the Lord and let's all get on the same page and say, will you do this? Will you add daily those being saved? And that's not walk the aisle, pray the prayer, fill out the card. That's will you send us into the world and use us to remove the obstacles out of people's hearts that are keeping the word of the kingdom from taking root and growing. And he says, I've already told you I will. And so for years we've been trying to bring the congregation before the Lord consistently, not just in 30 days, but every Sunday and in every community group and every time we're together. Let's come before the Lord and say, what do you want to do in us? What do you need to prune? You know, what do you need to, to clip? What do you need to cut away? What, what about us? Like, what, just do what you want. You're the vine dresser. You know, you're the husbandman. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in charge of the vineyard. We're a bunch of branches all connected to the same vine. What do you want to do? Sometimes he says, well, I kind of want to cut this out. We're like, no. You know? Well, we, you know, we, there needs to be some surrender in this area. And you're like, no, tight fist. And he's like, we'll deal with that. And so it's life in the vineyard. I mean, that's, what, that's what is happening. And so, so we, we have in place, you know, between John 15 and Acts 1 and 2, we see the power of the Spirit and what it can do. We see the fruit produced when we just let the Lord be the vine to us as branches. And so the instruction that comes to us from Jesus is that one word, abide. It's remain. It's set up camp. You know, like when you, when you read in the original languages about what that means, that was the same word. Like when an army would go in and invade somewhere, you know, whatever, and they were to like, like claim some sort of region, and the army would like settle down in, the, in a valley or something like that. They start setting up, you know, like tents and places to meet. And where is this going to happen? They just like encamp in this whole area. Like they fully like live in this space. Wherever you live right now, you are abiding in that place. Like you're remaining there. You're putting down roots there. You're not leaving there. That's what Jesus is saying when he says abide, he says just remain. And so the question I think for us is, okay, what if, if we're embracing all those things and we're looking at our life and we're in a good place where we're like, okay, I understand, I just need to be a branch. Can you help me understand what, what branch life looks like? You know, like what, what do I need to do to remain? That's a really great question. And there's this thing about church life, you know, in America in particular. I know I pick on American church a lot, but it's okay. Um, I'm one of us, so I can do that. Uh, there's this, this thing where we kind of get stuff backwards a lot, you know, where we think, okay, um, like, I have to do this and this and this in order to be a disciple. I have to 
to do these things, and that will make me that, you know. And maybe it's from, you know, we kind of, in our educational system or in just kind of in life, it's like if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher or an engineer or any sort of profession, any sort of, you know, whatever, it's like, okay, well, if that's what you want to be, then you need to do this and this and this, and that will train you, equip you, qualify you to be that. And sometimes I think we apply that to Jesus as well, and just life in Christ and life in the vineyard and life as attached to the vine is, uh, i got to do all this stuff, and then I will be whatever. And so before we look at any sort of, like, what does it look like to remain, we have to be in a good spot where we're like, okay, um, my goal here is not to do those things. My goal here is connection to the vine. That everything we do flows out of who we are. Uh, you don't do this stuff in order to be a branch. You do this stuff because you are a branch. The big difference. One is doing stuff for the vine, and the other is doing stuff from the vine. And so in a very practical sense, we have to be in a good spot where we're like, okay, this is not a checklist for me, but these are the things that, these are the ways that God has built into life, ways to stay connected, ways to remain. And in verse 42, we've looked at this for years, there's some incredibly practical things. It's like, if you really want to abide, you really want to remain, this is what it looks like in real life. When the Spirit came upon those believers, these are the things that they, that that, that Spirit empowerment led them to do because of who they are, and this produced fruit in their lives. So, you want to know what abiding looks like? Well, verse 42, uh, pretty good list right there. We've covered this for a long time. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I mean, that seems so elementary, you know, get into the Word, right? But we have to understand why it says that. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We, we take the, the scriptures and we devote ourselves to them because God has given us this good and precious gift as a means of abiding in Him. It's a means to an end. And that end is remaining and abiding in Christ. And so, from very, very early on in our story, he's been like handing down these written things because it gives us something tangible. And so, when people talk about like you know having a quiet time or you know, time alone with God, I hadn't been in the Word in a while, that kind of stuff, you're not saying like, oh, I haven't been like accomplishing my checklist. What you're essentially saying is, I haven't been remaining in Christ in the way that he's designed the world to work. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And that's the role that the Bible plays, is that we, here we are, patterns of the world all over the place. And he's given us this way of seeing, like, this is, this is to help you know what's true and real, and to keep you from conforming to things that are bad for you. And so through reading the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, we stay connected to Jesus, who's full of grace and full of truth. And I, I hear people a lot are like, you know, I, like I, don't, I don't really, like, the Bible doesn't play a very active part of my life, because I don't, really, I don't really know how to do that. Like, I, don't, 
I'm intimidated by it, or I don't know where to start, or whatever. And honestly, I think that's just like the worst excuse ever, especially today. I mean, if you if you're like if your washing machine breaks, you're like, I'm not sure what to do. Because of technology, in minutes, you can find a YouTube video, or a forum, or a, it's something that's gonna like show you. You know, we're gone are the days where people wonder anything. You know, it's like, man, what's what's the chief export of Guam? It's like click 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 click. Potatoes, yeah. You don't have to wonder any. I don't know if it's potatoes. I just made it up. Uh, but you, we don't have to wonder anymore. And so why would we sit around and wonder? Well, how, you know, I want to devote myself to the apostles' teaching, but I don't really know where to start. You don't live in a culture that settles for a lack of information, for a lack of guidance. And we we have we have an issue if that's what we're letting us hold back on. Here's another thing. You know that every Sunday night and every community group, when we're together and we get into the Word, all we're really doing is learning from each other how to interact with this properly every single time. There's nothing at all that I do, that your community group leaders do, that that piece of paper that their guide comes from, that any, any preacher, any podcast, any conference you go to, nothing that they do that is like some like magical thing that they won't teach you how to do. You know? There's no secrets. We're not magicians. You know? There's no code. We're like, don't tell people how to d- rightly divide the word. It's like, no, let's do this together over and over and over again to the point where I really hope that you come away sometimes on Sundays and be like, I could totally do that. It's so easy. All he did was take that verse and go slow. <laughs> you know? He went slow. He just talked about every word. Picked it apart. That's all it is. If, you're, if, if you think that rightly dividing the word is going through a, I'm going to read the Bible in a year plan, that's not all it is. If you want to open up the Bible and you go to where Jesus said, the kingdom of God is kind of like this guy who found a, a treasure in a field and he buried it, went and sold everything else he had to buy that field. You just read that one, uh, one or two verses, and you just sit there and be like, what does this mean? And let Jesus tell you what it means. You take one phrase or one whatever, and you just come before the Lord, and you say, Lord, I know that there's grace and truth in this. What do you want me to know? They devoted themselves to it. And through that devotion and through the apostles' teaching, through what Jesus had taught them, through the Old Testament, through all that stuff, he continued to renew their minds and produce fruit. And so if that's not a part of your life, and your desire is to abide and remain in Christ, then, then this is a part of how that happens. You don't do it to be a branch, you do it because you are a branch. They devoted themselves to that, and we see the result. Uh, the second thing it says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to life in community with each other. Communal life wasn't a joke to them. You know, it says they met together and they, they broke bread in their homes and they, they prayed together. And if there was a need, they were like, okay, we need to meet this need. 
Uh, I got some stuff I can sell. I'll be right back. And they were unified and they were together, but they were devoted to life in that Christ-centered community. And so I think there are maybe some people out there that think we take church life too seriously or whatever, but I believe that this is like an, an abiding means, like a, a way to remain in Christ, not to be a branch, but because we are branches. I think it's something He's given us, is this gift of each other. And it's not just coming on Sundays, go to community group, and be open. You know, it's, I mean, it is those things, but it's, it's life throughout the week. It's going to work and having a rough day and being like, I need, I just really, I just need some salt and light after this day I've had. Or just living life in a world that is perishing. And sometimes we just, we, we need that. So I think it's cool that Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. That's plural. And part of that is because he's talking to the disciples. Like, I get that, but it's a bunch of branches. Like, you're not like this lone branch off the trunk of some tree somewhere being like, where is everybody? You ever see a, have you ever seen a vineyard? Like, all the branches, they're all, like, intertwined, you know, and it's, it's kind of like whatever, and they're all right together. And sometimes you just need to be able to look around and be like, okay, good, other branches, awesome. And that's some of what we do together is... God uses us to encourage. Sometimes you need to be able to look at another branch and be like, man, the Lord wants to prune this in me. And the other branch would be like, hey, he did that with me, and believe me, it's awesome. It'll be okay. Sometimes you look around, and you look around, and you're like, man, there's not a lot of fruit coming out of our lives. We need to talk about this. And other times you look around, and you're like, look how there's, we're, there's so much fruit being produced. All glory to the vine. For empowering us and for giving us His Spirit and producing this fruit. How awesome. So life in community is not a joke. And real life in community connects you to the vine in a way that the Spirit uses one another to empower us and produce fruit in our lives. We weren't designed to produce fruit all alone. It's meant to be done in a vineyard. And so God has gathered us together. And so seeing community that way is really, really important. And so here we are doing this thing with our community groups. We're slowly going to let people go around and just tell their stories and uh, their family histories and spiritual history and just what some of the big things God has done, things you might not know. Uh, I would encourage you to take this seriously. This is a, a way that God has put us together to help abide in Him. And so as we go forward... I mean, keep in mind, we're not going to make everybody do this, but when someone's telling their story, man, you lock in on them. Because God wants to use what He's done. He wants to use the fruit produced in other people's lives to encourage us, challenge us, convict, whatever it needs to be. He wants to use that. And so, being devoted to one another, we're not just here to give our, like, be like, I need something to do on Tuesdays. You don't need something to do on Tuesdays. You need a group of people to abide with. And that's what God has done. So they devoted themselves to that. Fruit was produced. They didn't devote themselves to community, to the fellowship, in order to be a branch. They did it because they are branches. Right? The next thing, um, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. This is not saying that they, man, they ate together a lot. 
I mean, they did. That's not just what's being said there. What this is pointing to, outside of like table fellowship, is like really just regular communion, like Lord's Supper communion together. That Jesus said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me, and they took that very literally. And there are, uh, there are churches that consistently, I mean, every week, take communion together. And obviously that's not something that God has led us to at this point. Um, but there's more going on than just the physical act of taking communion. The point of, of or one of the points of communion is just remembrance. Like, remember what I've done. Remember the cross. Remember sin. Remember those things going together. You know, remember the, the, the absolute heaviness of your sin against the holy God of the universe and be broken and regretful over that. But then let that be overshadowed by the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God expressed and poured out for you through the giving and the killing of His one and only Son. And the Son's obedience to the Father for the glory of the Father's name among all creation. Remember that. Don't forget that. It's a means of abiding and staying connected. When When we lose sight of what Jesus has done, you know what our tendency is? Tendency is to disconnect from him. Now, I know that we can't disconnect from him in a sense, but we kind of check out in our minds, you know. We stop devoting ourselves to the things that he said. Because you're, because you're a branch, this, is, this comes out of who you are. We disconnect from that stuff. We lose sight of grace and truth. We start conforming to patterns of the world. And I think that's a part of why he gave us the Lord's Supper. He's like, I'm going to give you something to do physically because you're going to forget. So you do this. You do it in remembrance of me. You don't forget what I've done and who I am. And so what do we do? Like, How does that abiding, remaining fit into practical life? I mean, do you take communion before you go to bed every night? You know? I mean, is that, is that the application? Well, no. I think it's about building an intentional discipline into our lives where like, the cross is like, very much central to who we are. And I don't know what that looks like necessarily, but it could be things like reading the Bible. Because the cross is all over the Scriptures. The whole Bible is either pointing, pointing toward it, looking at it, or pointing back to it. And so time in the Word is going to help remember what Jesus has done. C.J. Mahaney is a pastor, and in, in, uh, he's in Louisville now, I think. And he, um, one of the things he says is like he just makes it a discipline that when he he has like when he wakes up in the morning, there are certain things that he prays every day before his feet hit the ground. And then when he lays his head on his pillow, there are things that he prays that he's going to sleep. And a part of both of those, is just thanking God for the cross, he builds that discipline into his life.
Maybe you find a way to build discipline into what you're doing so that there's not a day that goes by where you're like, man, I hadn't thought about Jesus dying on the cross in a while. It should always be central to us. And in that, we're remaining in Christ. We're staying connected to who He is. We're keeping everything in perspective and realizing that, yeah, man, this day was really weird, but, man, Jesus is, Jesus is bigger. He's greater. He's overcome it. He's rescued me and us, and everything's going to be okay. It's a means of abiding. And so we devote ourselves to the cross as a completed work. Like it's done. No condemnation. But whatever happened today, whatever's going to happen tomorrow, it's covered. And so we stay connected to Jesus in that truth because we are branches. And the last thing, last thing that they did, they devoted themselves to, it says, the prayers. In Jewish life, they, they prayed the scriptures. Jesus taught them how to pray, and so they were learning that. So prayer, that idea that we're, we're just intentionally conveying things to God, being devoted to that, I think that makes a lot of sense as to why that would be a way that we abide. And I think God's brought us a good ways collectively in understanding prayer and kind of breaking out of some of those insecurities that we've, a lot of us had uh, for so long. And we're just like the disciples who are like, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't come in and be like, well, I mean, you all know how to pray, right? You're not dumb, right? They're like, no, teach you. And Jesus didn't say that. They saw him pray and they're like, we want to do that. That dude is connecting to something bigger than himself, and we want to know exactly how that happens. So they said, will you teach us? Jesus said, yeah, I'll teach you. And that's what he does with us. And so we devote ourselves to the things that he has given us as a means of abiding. And that's just just some of them. That's describing what... The Spirit led them to as a way of them remaining in Christ, remaining connected to what was going on, the power of God flowing into their lives as branches. And I don't know what it is for you or for us, and what's one of the cool things about living in community is to be able to look around and, and to see the different ways that people have learned to abide. Like I think those things are going to be in the mix for sure. If you ask somebody, like, well, what's your abiding life look like? They're like, well, you know, I don't know. It's not a good answer. It's going to always involve the Scriptures. It's going to always involve prayer. It's going to always involve others. It's going to always involve what Jesus has done and not losing sight of that. For some, it's journaling. For some, you know, there's podcasting that goes on. Some are in really small, like, Bible studies outside of, like, in addition to community group where they're, going through some stuff together. Some people are in one-on-one discipleship relationships. Some people write you know, verses and put them on their dashboard. Some have scripture memory stuff that they go through. Um, just all this stuff that God's given us. And He's like, hey, figure out what works for you. I've designed the scriptures and prayer and community 
All those things pointing back to the cross. I've designed those things for sure, so invest in those. But figure out what works. What keeps you connected to who Jesus is? And you do it. Not in order to be a branch, but because you are a branch. And what happens? Well, we see what happened with them. You go back to John 15, and Jesus has said, Hey, abide in me, much fruit will be produced through your life. Let me be me, you be you. And watch what happens. It'll blow your mind. I don't, I don't, there isn't like a, you know, like a big like, so are you praying, and are you in the Word, and are you this? There's no big challenge or like big blanket of conviction to like throw on the whole congregation. I really think today the Lord just wants us to see the goodness of this whole situation. Like to keep seeing Him for who He is. And what He has done for us. And how He... I mean, He wants... He wants more for your life than you want for your life. So when Paul talks about God being able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, you think what you want your life to look like, and God's like, that's all? Really? And when he's like, hey, hey, let's talk about surrender in this area. And you're like, no, I want this. And he's like, do you know who I am? Have you seen me? Do you have any clue the goodness that I have for you? And the fact I've created this situation where all you got to do is just be a branch. Stay connected to me. Watch what happens. Stop complicating it. It's as easy as God being able to look over and a bunch of vines with grapes on them say, it's kind of like that. And we just got to be like, okay, I see it. I get it. I get it. And so maybe the application for us today is just to be able to be like, yeah, God is so good to us. Let's just rest in that. Just let that be the application. He is so good. And He has set us up for success in such a way that he's like, look, there's, you have no idea the kind of fruit, the amount of fruit that will be produced through you as a branch and through you collectively as a bunch of branches. And through that, I'll keep changing the world, making everything new. And so let's just let him do that. As a congregation, let's just rest in that. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing in response. And just let him do that. Let's all, let's all stand together as we, as we pray. The band comes back up. Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of the vine and the branches. And it is, I mean, it is, uh, it's deep, and it's powerful, but it's not as complicated as we like to make it. And Lord, I, just, I thank you for just making it something so practical that we can see 
And God, I'm grateful for the book of Acts that helps us to see, like in, when it's fleshed out, we're able to see what you were talking about in John 15. And it pushes us, Lord. It, it's a challenge. I mean, we, want, we don't want to just be a part of that kind of community because that would be fun to be a part of. We want to see people know you. We want to see people healed and restored. We want to see people walk in the fullness of how you created them. We want to see everything on earth be just as it is in heaven. Like That's our desire for your glory in all things. And God, we're grateful for the, the ways that you've shown us. This is, this is how you can stay connected to me. Like This is what this relationship will look like. I pray, God, that we would, we would seriously consider those devotions and what our lives look like. But, Lord, greater than that, help us, God, just in these moments, even these songs, songs that we know, help us to see truth in a, through a new lens. Help us to see, God, your goodness to us. I pray, Lord, that you would increase our desire to abide and remain, that we would see how good you are and say, why would I ever want to rebel against, to rebel and to walk away and to try and convince myself that I'm disconnected from the goodness of our Savior and our Redeemer, our rock, our salvation. So Lord, I ask that you would stir those affections in us. And as we sing, Lord, as we put these prayers into words and into melodies, that in our singing we would remain, and that your power would flow into us and just continue to empower what we're doing. So Lord, when it's time to sing, help us to do so with confidence in who you are as the vine.